You are listening to a message by Travis Scott from our gatherings at Shorebreak. Visit shorebreakchurch.com to get connected with more content. And if you would like to support the gospel being preached in Kona and to thousands online, your tax-deductible donation enables us to further Jesus' mission. Partner with us by giving at shorebreakchurch.com backslash give. Mahalo. Hey, if you have a Bible, you can turn to the uh, Gospel of John. We're going to be in John 12 this morning. And I just want to say, how's it? I am so stoked to have you guys worshiping Jesus with us this morning. If you're new or you're visiting, a special welcome to you. We are stoked that you guys chose to be here this Sunday morning and that God brought you here to worship Jesus. And um, my name is Travis, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church. I oversee... uh, the preaching and uh, the vision of the church overall, but there are other godly men who also help uh, steer this machine, this chaotic machine of what we call the church. And so, um, and I'm grateful for the other guys that I get to uh, serve alongside. And I say that because one big thing we do as a church, I'll, I'll pause really quick here. A lot of us bring different expectations to the table when it comes to church, right? We all have expectations, Uh, We have expectations when we are dating somebody. We expect them to pay for our food, girls, right? Yeah, right? I mean, if if a dude takes you out and he doesn't pay for your meal, end it. It's over, okay? There's some dating advice right there. And some girls are saying, amen, thank you for the support there, all one of you. (laughs) Um, We all bring these different expectations to the table. And let me just say this as as a... The preaching pastor and as the pastor who um, leads this church with vision, ultimately under our chief shepherd, chief senior pastor, Jesus, by the way. This is his thing. This isn't my thing. Um, We do few things and few things well as a church. Um, We believe that the more we do, um, as far as, all right, we're going to have a scuba underwater sewing ministry, (laughs) you know, or a... uh, a Boy Scout thing, or a Girl Scout thing, or this sort of thing, or this sort of, those things aren't bad. I'm not hitting on anyone. I don't, don't think they're bad, but at this church, we're not going to do that. Um, we do two things as a church. We gather together on Sunday to study this book, because without this, we got nothing as a church, just so you know. We are nothing without this book, so that's what we do. We gather together on Sunday to study this book, and then Uh, What we do is we gather, the second thing we do is we gather in homes, in each other's homes throughout the week. And that's really all we do as a church. Now, of course, through our community groups, as we gather in homes throughout the week, um, we serve the community. We serve one another. We practice hospitality. We evangelize. We build up one another in the spiritual gifts that God has given us. We do that all through the setting of community groups. And so really, as a church, those are the two things we do. And this last, last week, we finally relaunched our community groups. We have three community groups meeting. And uh, for those of you guys who went to the community groups, were, were you guys blessed? Was it a first good week in community? Some of you are not in your heads. Uh, maybe just a couple people. Just blurt out really quick something that Jesus showed you through community this week. Anybody, go for it. Okay, there you go. Someone blurted out at least something. Anybody? Got, I mean, God must have shown somebody something. Friendship. Friendship. There you go, right? Yeah, God called us to be part of the family, um, his family. And as dysfunctional, as imperfect we are, we really know that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another man's countenance, and that's through friendship. That's a great thing. Um, uh, we, we know that there were, there were tears that were shed. Repentance took place. People were encouraged. And uh, Sunday we hear the word in community groups. What we do is we do the word. And so um, I say that all to sign up for a community group if you are able to. And it's on Wednesday nights. We have three of them. And as you sign up, we'll contact you to let you more, know more information about that. Um, one more announcement. Next week, next Sunday, Sunday morning, 10 a.m., we have Christ Safari that's coming to the house. So, yeah, that should be cool. We actually have some... Um, Printouts out on the uh, information table. Take those. Be inviting people. Just be throwing those out. Um, be sticking them in people's mailboxes. Uh, be putting them, if you go to the restaurant, put them in the, the tab with a good tip and make sure that we be inviting everyone and anyone. So it's going to be Sunday morning, uh, 10 a.m. here at the church. And then 
Um, so be inviting people to that. And then on Sunday night at 6 p.m., just so you know, we're actually going to be doing an after-party concert here at the church as well. And it's going to be crazy. It's going to be awesome. So I'm just warning you, uh, I want all of you to come and be inviting people. We will have earplugs provided, okay? It's going to be a little fun, a little crazy, but it's all about Jesus, okay? Um, it's all about him. So hopefully you're in John 12 now. And starting in John chapter 12, we move into the Passion Week of Jesus. The last week, uh, we are going to look uh, at his life as we examine the rest of the gospel. Where verses 1 through 11, we saw that that was from his birth, from his incarnation. All right, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And then later in verse 14 or 19, we are told that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So then we go from there all the way up till really three and a half years, actually, to now this. And so the rest of our study through this gospel is going to be the Passion Week, because in six days, Jesus' dead body will be laid in a tomb. And Jesus knows exactly what's happening. He isn't oblivious. This isn't happening by accident. This is all happening on purpose for God's glory. He knows it. So let's pray as a church before we get into the text this morning. Jesus, we come before you as a church, humbled by who you are, We need you to be here. Holy Spirit, without you, this is just a fraternity of people who are coming to sing a bunch of songs. But Spirit of God, please come and please move in our midst and transform us. Let our hearts be regenerated. Let our minds be changed. Let, let us see you. Let us behold you and all of your glory. And I pray that as a church, as we examine this text and the life of Mary and this story that happens, that this was real and this really did take place. And that we don't have to make your word relevant. Your word is the ultimate source of relevance and anything else is irrelevant. So I pray that we would hear from you. God, do a work in wrecking some of the false ideas and assumptions that we bring to the table with Christianity and with religion. And we pray that we be more like you, Jesus. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've called our title of our message this morning, Worship. Got pretty creative on that one, right? What are we, call what are we talking about today? Worship. Um, I've thought about other titles, but really, I mean, that, that sums it up. I mean, if anything we are talking about today and looking at John 12, it is this idea of worship. Now, some of us check out, right? Immediately you think, worship? Really? Yeah, I mean, we're here. This is, this, this is worship. But I just want to say, worship is so much deeper than that, as we will soon see in the text. Because it is amazing when the follower of Jesus grasps the worth of Jesus. When the follower of Jesus understands who he is, when our, our adoration sees Christ as our perfection, that is a beautiful thing, and that is rare. That is really rare. Even in Christian circles, it's rare that we really value Jesus for how valuable he really, really is. And I pray that as we study and as we examine this story and see the implications and the way that it applies to our lives, that we would see that the worth of Jesus exceeds anything we want or anything we already have. And we see this story taking place in verse 1. We are told six days before the Passover. Jesus, therefore, came to Bethany where Lazarus was whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner there for him, and Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Okay, really quick. Reclining at the table? Yes, reclining at the table. That's how they ate. They would have almost like a lazy boy. It would be a chair that would bend up, curve down, and then bend back up again. So you would eat sideways at a table, and almost just like with your hands, shovel the food off the table into your mouth. 
It was a beautiful, beautiful thing that I wish we did today. And Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. I love this picture that we immediately dive into. Uh, Martha's doing what Martha does. She's serving. She's slaving away in the kitchen, making this perfect meal. Lazarus is lounging on his side, talking story with Jesus, probably catching up. Because if you remember, two weeks ago we studied the, uh, that Lazarus was dead for the glory of God. He was dead. Uh, the Bible tells us in the King James Version that he was so dead, four days dead, that his body stinketh. So how dead was he? Like he ranked, like this guy stank. I mean, it was bad. And Jesus had them roll away the tomb, looking in the tomb, says, Lazarus, get up, get out. Commanding with his voice, Lazarus is able to be raised from the dead. And, and they're kind of talking story, trying to play catch up because right after that happened, the religious people wanted Jesus dead. And so Jesus splits and he leaves for a little while. And so they really didn't have a chance to thank Jesus. And so you can, t- I mean, Martha and Mary, their brother Lazarus was dead. And, and Lazarus, he, he was dead. He was in the presence of God. And he's probably thinking four days later, why am I back here again? Like that was so great, you know? Um, I, I was in heaven, and now I'm back in this mortal body again. And so Lazarus um, is unlike many of us. He will die twice. Pretty, pretty interesting story for him there. And uh, so they wanted to catch up with Jesus. And this was no kind of last-minute planning. I want you guys to, to see what's happening here. They, they, they aren't like, hey, let's just have Jesus over really quick. We want to go to Little Caesars, grab a $7 hot and ready. Like it wasn't like, oh, maybe, maybe we just get some sodas and throw this thing together and, and serve Jesus. I mean, they were like, this was a nice, nice meal. They pulled out, pulled out all the best furniture. Uh, if the cakey were in the house, they kicked them out in the lanai. They're like, you guys stay out there. Uh, you know, this is the adult table. The kids' table is over there. I mean, this is, if they had chinaware then, they pulled out all the nicest chinaware as possible. This was planned. This was very, very, very special. Because remember, Mar- Martha and Mary, they had a dead brother just a few days ago. Now he's alive, so you can imagine to what extent they are, in a sense, serving through worshiping as they invite Jesus over for dinner. And so, verse 4, we are told, but Judas Iscariot, buzzkill right there, parties kind of, nah. One of his disciples, and we are told, John puts in brackets here, just so you know, he was one. He, he was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? So he sees Martha serving, Lazarus' talking story, and, and, and here comes Mary walking up to Jesus and serving Jesus at his feet. And Judas immediately is like, reveals two things to us about this ointment. Um, and it's interesting, really quick. You don't see Jesus talking about the ointment. You don't even see uh, Mary talking about the ointment. You see Judas talking about the ointment. Here, if you're taking notes, here are two things about this perfume, this ointment that Lazarus reveals. The first thing is this it's expensive. It is expensive. We are told, Lazarus is like, you could have gave this to the poor for 300 denarii. And we're like, sweet. Is that like pesos? You know what I mean? How much, how much are we talking about here? Like $20? I mean, you know, some of you guys know, um, it's picking perfume is, at least for us guys, attempt to pick perfume for your wife. That is difficult, right? Well, the men in the house are like nodding their heads. Yes, at least it is for me. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I remember going to pick out perfume for, for my wife, Juliet, for Christmas. And I walk in and I'm like, yeah, I just, you know, want some perfume or whatever. And like, well, do you want toilet water or the real thing? And I was like, well, I can certainly tell you I don't want toilet water. All right. Um, they're like, oh, no, uh, the toilet water is like the diluted version of, of the real thing. I was like, oh, I'll get the real thing. I mean, I'm not cheap. I'm not, I can't like, all right, Merry Christmas, babe. Here's some toilet water for you. You know, like, so I'm thinking, okay, well, uh, I'll get the perfume. And so I get this bottle little flask-looking bottle thing with the spray, and it uh, comes with all this fancy packaging, and 
And they're like, yeah, it'll be $75. It's like, how about the toilet water, all right? Like, toilet water sounded really good right now. Um, and it was like half the cost, okay? Now, this perfume here, this ointment, it's not toilet water. It's not Gucci. It's not Louis Vuitton. It blows all of those out of the water. This ointment, we were told, is 300 denarii. And if you were a regular person, I did some research on this. If you were a regular person working that day at your average income, did you know that you would work six days a week at 10-hour days? And you would make one denarii a day. So after doing some math, figuring this out, most commentators and scholars believe that this bottle of perfume cost about twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars. Plot twist, right? Whoa. This is expensive. And no wonder Judas is like, yeah, uh uh-huh, 300 denarii. And all I mean, he's going eBay on them. He's just thinking auction. He's got like doing the money. He's over the bags. He's got the accounts. It's his responsibility. He's thinking, how can we use this for so it seems? But the second thing about this that I want us to see the implications of this is price doesn't mean value. Dollars don't necessarily equal worth here. See, Judas cared about the price of the perfume, but he didn't value the perfume, right? He didn't care about the perfume or, or what, what happened. With it. He, was, he was, so it seems, uh, John will give us some insight in a moment as we will soon see, but he didn't care about the perfume. He's trying to put this mask up like, I really care for the poor. We could have put this on eBay for $300, and all he could think about was the money. That's all he could think about. And all Mary could think about was, how much can I give to Jesus? How much can I worship Jesus? She could only think of Jesus because no price could compete with the value of Jesus in her life. Nothing could compete with it. And Judas here is trading in his own soul for money. In fact, as we will soon see, in five evenings from now, Judas is going to approach the religious people. He's going to say, hey, I know where Jesus is. How much will you give me? And you give him 30 shekels of silver, which you know that's equivalent to about $1,000. Judas couldn't give three denarii to Jesus. In fact, he takes from Jesus. And that's how you know demonic worship from Christ-centered Jesus worship. Worship that is Christ-centered, gospel-centered, is what can we give to God? And demonic, evil worship is saying, what can I get from him? How can God serve me? How can God meet my needs? Because God's out for me, right? Because God is about, about me. No, he's, he's not. God is all about his own glory. And so the value here and price are contrasting here. Now, I here have a Bible. Um, it's kind of old and, and it's, it's ghetto, all right? I don't know. I got to be careful with it because it's so ghetto and old. I don't want it to like, fall apart. But I have this really old Bible here. It's falling apart, right? You can see that. Like there's, some of you can see the stitching is kind of coming off. And how much do you think I could probably um, get for this Bible if I took it into a pawn shop or like a thrift store? Maybe five bucks, right? They might not even buy it off me. They might have to see this thing and be like, ouch, yeah, you might want to get a new Bible, you know? And, um, and I, you know, I mean, it's, it's old. It actually stinks. Not gonna lie. It's a little kind of a little bit of mold happening here and um so it's, it's a bad bible all right now some of you might be like well maybe you could put it on ebay maybe it could be like lazarus all right well 300 for the poor maybe i could put this thing on ebay and say you know it was elvis presley's bible or whatever and it was really important i don't know make something up and and or find the face of mary somewhere on the cover and say oh my gosh like this is no i mean it's it's not worth that much right in fact some of you wouldn't even you don't even care about it. You wouldn't pay for it. That's fine. I understand. I get it. And even the people at the pawn shop, they, they wouldn't care. But can I give you some backstory in this Bible for a second? This Bible, um, though it is ghetto and old, this Bible was purchased by a, a lady named Rebecca Anderson in the uh, early 20th century. 
um, around 1920, and she purchased this Bible for her son who was 12 years old. She only had one son, and his name was Byron. And, uh, and Byron would grow up reading this Bible. And there are notes in here. Verses are highlighted. And in fact, you can see um, the date here. Um, it's a gift from Rebecca, um, from, including actually um, uh, his father as well. And there are different verses here. First Timothy, Acts 2, some old pages. Look at this artwork right here. I mean, that's some, like, that's pretty amazing there, right? I mean, that's just like, I mean, it's, that's vintage, right? So, all right, okay, this is, this is kind of cool. And Now, Byron, who owned this Bible, was committed to going to the same church and worship Jesus for 50 years at the same church in the same community. And Byron was my grandfather. He helped raise me. When my parents got divorced, I spent half of my childhood from 11 to 18. Uh, He helped raise me. He was my grandfather, but he really was a father figure to me. I am who I am today, partly because of Byron. I called him Papa. I couldn't say Grandpa was when I was little, so I called him Papa. And um, five years ago, actually, uh, a week from today, five years ago, will be the anniversary of him um, leaving this earth, dying, and going to heaven with Jesus. And it, it hurts. You know, I, I still miss him. He was my, he was one of my best friends, and I love him dearly. How much do you think this Bible is worth to me? There's no cost to it. You couldn't pry this Bible from my cold, dead fingers. You could put it on eBay. You could offer me 10 grand from it. You're not having it. Because price doesn't matter. Maybe if, if I did take it to a pawn shop, it would be worth five bucks. But you know what? This thing, I don't care about the price. It's valuable to me. I have a connection to it. And, and here's the thing. I could care less about the price because it's valuable to me. And for Mary, it didn't matter the cost of the ointment. The price wasn't the issue. She valued Jesus Christ. Jesus was her everything. Jesus raised her brother from the dead. Jesus will forgive her of her sins. She will spend eternity with Jesus forever. And you can't put a price on worshiping Jesus. That's what I love here. Yes, the ointment was expensive, but it has nothing to do with it. She valued Jesus Christ above any perfume, above anything she had. It was important to her. More important than this Bible is to me, Jesus was everything to Mary. See, price doesn't mean value or treasure. And you see that. I mean, I had a buddy of mine uh, in high school. I'm not even kidding. He, uh, his parents bought a Dodge Viper to him, for him. In high school, he was 17 years old. They bought a Dodge Viper. And if, it's, a, it's a muscle car. It's really expensive. And guess what? The price was expensive, but he didn't value the car. A month later, he got in an accident with it. Seriously. Like, totaled the car. So price doesn't mean, mean value. Oftentimes, that's why you see people who work hard, who save up, who, who you know, they, they don't have a Viper. I mean, they got like a Mustang, and they treat that thing better than this kid. I mean, see, price doesn't, price doesn't mean value. Now, Judas here seems so spiritual, doesn't he? You look at Judas, and you're like, man, Judas, wow. Pat on the back. One of Jesus' top 12. You're, you're on his core team, and here you are wanting to um, give to the poor, so it seems. But really, and we know, because John says, in certain brackets, this is the one, by the way, guys. Hey, remember, remember, he betrays Jesus. Why is Judas so wicked? Why would he eventually betray Jesus? Look at verse 6. He said this not because, speaking of Judas, now John's commenting here. John was there. Uh, He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used it to help himself to what was put into it. See, price doesn't mean value, but Judas didn't care about the poor. He didn't value the poor. He didn't even care about Jesus. He wanted the commission, right? Right? Maybe he's thinking, I'll take 10% of the cut. All right, 
$25,000, maybe I can take 10% of that pie. $2,500, I'm set. So $2,500, and he's doing the math. I'm going to sell Jesus in a few days for, for 30 shekels of silver. Now I'm at $3,500. How much more can I rack up on Jesus, on his account, on his life? Mary couldn't put a price on Jesus' value. And Judas wanted commission off of Jesus. So you, you guys see as we're ex- ex- exposing and explaining and diving this text, do you see the contrast John is trying to paint towards us? You see John, it's like the black and white contrast. Look at the differences of these two. Look at their different acts of worship. Mary can't give enough to Jesus. Judas can't take enough from Jesus. And as we are reading this text, I believe that this is the, the direction that the Holy Spirit wants us to go. It's looking at these things. This is where the Apostle John is taking us, and this is where Jesus is driving home to us, because in verse 7 we are told this. What does Jesus say in response to all of this? What does he say? Leave her alone so that me, she may keep it the day of my burial for the poor you have with you always but you do not always have me so Judas is thinking well here's the deal come on Mary why are you being so stupid with your money and I love it Judas doesn't even talk to Mary about this he goes directly to Jesus you could have used that for the, the Jesus look what we could have done with this money as though he knew more than Jesus we could give tw- how many poor people Even today, could we feed with 25G? A lot of people. Could feed a lot of people. But Jesus is like, you know what, Judas? If you care about the poor so much, they will be here. In six days, I'm not here anymore. You will have the poor with you always. She's doing this for my burial. And what does he say? Leave her alone. (laughs) That's a rough rebuke from Jesus there. Leave her alone alone because we aren't talking about some ointment here anymore it's much deeper than that what we are talking about the core of all this is like we said the title of our message it's worship it's worship see in judas's mind maybe he was thinking that proper worship takes care of others and meets other people's needs but jesus says that proper worship really gospel-centered worship anoints christ in every aspect in all of our lives. And there, there is a difference there. And that's oftentimes how we view worship, a lot like Judas and not like Mary. What we say is, well, I'm going to go worship at church on Sunday morning. And so we get the kids in the car or we hop on our moped and we you know, drive up and some of us dress up, some of us don't. And that's all good. We're, I love the variety that we have in our church. And, and that's great. And, but we come and, we, and oftentimes we say, well, I'm here to worship and I'm going to go, and I'm going to do my thing, and then I'll be back next Sunday, and then I'll worship. And then I'll be in a community group, and then I'll worship in the community group. But, but this is the worship service, right? That's what we do. We kind of classify these things. But Jesus here is like worship isn't just singing songs or is an event, but worship is all of life. It's bigger than all of that. Worship isn't going to church. Worship is all of our life. I'm not even talking about gospel-centered worship. I'm just saying worship in general. In fact, it's been said that the human uh, is an incurable worshiper. You and I are constantly worshiping something or someone. And you think, yeah, but I mean, I, I don't really follow Jesus. Or I'm not really close to him. Well, you're worshiping something. You are. We all are worshiping something. Our, our, we're like Cyclops. I know it's a terrible example, but you know, he, he, he is his eyes are always going, and in order to stop it, he has to wear the glasses, right? I mean, that's the idea. We are always, 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 always worshiping something or someone. See, when we spend money, we worship. When we think, we worship. Where we spend time, we worship. Who we love, we worship. So we are constantly worshiping. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing. I don't want you guys to think I'm coming down on all of you. This isn't a bad thing because we were made to worship. So if we look at our time, if we look at our thoughts, our love, is there evidence that we worship God in our life? 
For look at the conversations you had. Do you worship God in the conversations that you have? If you were to pull a, a, a bank statement, do you worship God with the money that you have? If you were to look at the, the text messages, the Facebook messages that you have, do you worship God in, in that? If we could, for a moment, play everyone's thoughts on this screen right here throughout the week. Do your thoughts consume worshiping God? How terrifying would that be, Right? Is there evidence that you and I worship God? See, Mary, see this in the text. Mary spent her life savings for Jesus' burial. Mary spent time with Jesus at his feet. Mary thought often about Jesus. In fact, you could tell this wasn't just a spur-of-the-moment thing. Mary had this most likely, I believe, I think my personal opinion, it's not there in the text, but probably had this planned out. She couldn't give enough to Jesus, and she gave everything that she had to him. And Mary loved Jesus, we actually read in John 11. You can look there later, and actually Jesus loved them too. Mary loved Jesus, and Jesus loved Mary, and nothing could compete with the value of Jesus in her life. Now, of course, she isn't perfect. Mary, because she's still human, because she still lives on this earth and a fallen and broken world, the tendency will always to be erect idols in our heart to worship something other than Jesus. That is always there. But who or what things compete with the value of Jesus in your life? Let the Holy Spirit do a work on your heart right now. What are the things that you value, that you treasure more than Jesus in your life? We all have them. Because what you value, what you treasure most, sits on the throne of your heart, and that is what you worship. And that is how Mary can empty out every ounce, every single ounce of $25,000 at Jesus. And because Judas valued money over Jesus, he would make statements like these ones in the text. You could have given it to the poor. And Jesus is like, shut up. Leave her alone. Come on. I'm going to be gone, Judas. You've been... Here's the thing. Now, a lot of us will look, man, Judas had a money problem, right? I mean, he was stealing from the tithe of the ministry. Like, that's bad day when you're stealing money, <laughs> right? And a lot of us say, look at the money problem Judas has. I, I don't think Judas has a money problem. If you're taking notes, write this down. Judas has a worship problem, not a money problem. He is a dysfunctional worshiper. See, the problem is deeper than the fruit that you see growing on the tree. A lot of us will walk up even to some people that we see in our own lives. Now, here's the deal, just so you know, we all have problems. We all have worship problems. We do, every single one of us. But what we often do is we walk up with a person and say, man, that's some ugly looking fruit there, bro. You might want to get that looked at. Like, get some pesticides for that. I mean, you got a growth on that thing. Like, get that fruit taken care of. What we'll do is we'll say, all right, now we get out the, the trimmers and we try to trim the tree. And the problem is deeper than that. We can't just look at the fruit and see that because the problem is deeper than the fruit you see growing on the tree, even in your own life. The problem is where the roots have taken soil, where the roots have gone down into the dirt. Where is the source of the root? At what soil is that root planted in? I'm, I'm, I'm not a, a, a much of a, uh, green. I don't have a green thumb, I guess you could say. Um, I kill things in nature more than I, I bless them and grow them. In fact, when my, my papa, right, um, my grandpa, when he would ask me, hey, Travis, um, we're going to do some yard work today, and we're going to transplant a tree. I was like, all right, sweet. So you're supposed to, like, take the tree out, uh, let it sit there for a couple days, and then, um, and um, I, I don't even remember what to do because I didn't care. Um, some of you guys know. And then what you do is then in a couple days later, then you go put it in the new soil, but with some of the old, you know, and, and you do all these things. You put it in the new soil and let it water there. But you have to let the transition take place. And, and I, I've killed numerous trees. And there would be a point where my grandpa was like, you are not planting any more trees at all. You can't because you destroy the roots. And what I would do is I would go in and take the shovel and just chop the bottom of the roots up. 
I wouldn't dig around it. And see, and that, that's important because where we put our roots down in, where we put the heart of our soil in, that determines the fruit that grows on our trees. And some of you need to be transplanted. And you can't just say, well, I got to deal with my fruit. I got these problems. I have this sin. No, it's deeper than that. What we need to do is deal with the root of the problem. Forget behavior modification. We need a transformed heart. And from our parenting, what we do is you say, all right, kids, knock it off. No, I do that too. And I, I, we need to get to the heart of the issue. We need to get to the heart of the issue of our own lives. See, Judas's heart has taken root in different soil than Mary's heart has taken root in. And this is crazy. Check this out. This blows me away. How long has Mary, I mean, Mary hung out with Jesus, but she definitely didn't spend as much time with Jesus as Judas. Judas has been walking with Jesus as one of his 12 for three and a half years. Let that shake the core of our religion, if we have any. Just because we're here, we're doing this thing, we're committed, it's deeper than that. Judas's heart is deceitfully wicked, as Jeremiah tells us. Mary's heart, though at times will be deceitfully wicked, Mary's heart, you can see, has been melted by God's grace. Melted. If you're taking notes, write this down on worship. Worship isn't an activity. Worship is an identity. Worship isn't something you do. Worship is something. Worship is, is a who thing. It's not a what thing. Worship isn't an activity, it's an identity. For example, let me give you a couple examples. If your identity is found in the environment, now I know I'm, I, I might be hitting a sensitive issue, and I'm not saying recycling is bad, okay? It's not bad. But for oft, sometimes for some people, when Mother Nature, when and the environment is their identity, that drives their activity. When their identity is, I'm an environmentalist, I have a green thumb, what happens is that drives all the activity that they do, so they recycle. They put vegetable things in their tanks. They, um, they, they eat vegan, and, and they, um, which I think that's it, 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 crazy if you can do that. I, I don't know how you can do that. They, you know, and, and the more options for disposing trash, the better, right? Like, hey, the more trash cans, the better. In fact, the other day I was at a store, and I had my Starbucks cup, and um, and, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out, okay, well, where can I throw my, because there's four trash cans. It's like, where can I, I just want to throw it away. Give me a place to throw it away. Just tell me, somebody help me. I mean, they should have an attendant at these four trash cans. I mean, there is the aluminum one. Then there is the plastic and glass cups one. I'm not even kidding. And then the other one is the rubbish one, just garbage. And then uh, the other one was paper and, or, or cardboard, technically cardboard. So I'm looking at my paper cup, my Starbucks cup. And I'm so confused. I'm like, I, I just want to get rid of you. Like, where do I go? And, 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 and because I'm preaching on this text on Sunday and these type of things, I have to like, all right, I got to do the right thing. I can't just go because I often, I'm confessing here. I have just thrown them, not even paid attention at times. So I'm like, all right, I got to do the right thing. So where do I go? I'm thinking, well, I mean, I can't put this in the cup one because it's not plastic or it's not glass, but it's, it's not cardboard. It's technically paper, but I mean, the, the sleeves are cardboard. So maybe I should take the cup off. The, 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 the lid off the cup, put that in the plastic, take the cardboard sleeve, put that in the cardboard, and then put the paper one in the rubbish, right? And I'm just like, I mean, what do I do here? See, if our identity is rooted, let's just say, in the environment, the activity follows. And caring about the earth isn't bad. Listen, I believe that we should be good stewards of what God gives us. I do, all right? I'm not saying go buy a diesel truck and tune it so that you can spew out as much black stuff as you possibly can, I'm not saying that. We should take care of what God has given us, but if your identity is rooted in the environment, all your activity will follow. Or if your identity is in a pet, you treat that pet like a human, right? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, maybe you're one of those people or you, you've seen it. Now, having a pet isn't wrong. Let's just say having a dog isn't wrong. A cat? We'll leave that up for debate, but... It's not wrong to love your cat. It's not wrong to love your dog or your bird or to take care of them or to feed them. Um, I was talking to somebody, though, the other day. Um, 
And uh, they're like, they're asking me, so yeah, you have any kids? And I was like, yeah, I have three boys, and they're awesome. Like, oh, how old are they? And so one's three, or one, three, and five. And so they're like, oh, that, that's cool. I was like, oh, do you, so do you have any kids? Like, yeah, we have two. I was like, two what? Like two German shepherds. I'm like, your dog is not a kid, all right? Like, last time I checked, my, my, my kid doesn't have a tail, doesn't like wag, okay? So... Like, there's a problem there. And, and now we think, well, yeah, but people, their identity, identity isn't in their pet. Listen, if the pet determines where you live, when you go on vacation, if the pet determines uh, how much money you spend on it, what type of surgery. You know, I was in a, a store the other day. I'm not going to put any stores down here, but I was in a store the other day. They have, they had, I'm not even kidding, they had doggy desserts, cat clothing. Can you even put clothing on a cat? Like, is that, okay, I guess so. <laughs> Um, they had pedicures for Fido. I'm not even kidding. Pedicures for Fido. And uh, they, have, they have doggy hotels now, so your dog can go on vacation. If that isn't worship, I don't know what is. So when our identity is rooted in something, what that does is, is it produces the activity. Or how about this? Let's hit it closer to home for some of us guys. If your identity is in a sport or a hobby building up your board quiver, working on the golf swing, trying to bring your tallies down, however that works in golf. If that is your identity, often what you do is, for the sake of fun and for the sake of a game, we often sacrifice our family or our responsibilities because we love that thing so much. I'm not saying it's wrong to have fun. You can golf for the glory of God. You can, whatever you do, you can do it for His glory, but... Is, it, is your identity rooted in it? Does it drive? Is when you wake up, it's what you think about. When you go to sleep, it's what you think about. It's what you worship with your thoughts, with your money, with, with your time. See, worship isn't an activity. It's an identity. And Judas stealing money was the activity of someone whose identity wasn't in Christ. Do you see how this isn't a money problem? It's a worship problem. So for, for the person who is a sex addict, sex is not the problem. It's just a fruit of a heart that is, is, had an identity based in pleasure. When a person is, is consumed by money, it's like Judas. It's not a money problem. It's, it's, it's an identity problem in money and wealth and value. For the person who is a habitual liar, that, that, that root actually can have multiple, I mean, some of these don't have just one root. They have multiple strands in different types of soil. If, if a person is a liar, maybe they either, f- they have fear of man. And because you see the fruit of their lies, what they do is they tell lies so that they would, people would approve them because they fear them. And, or they lie because they, uh, they are selfish and they want glory that is deserving to God. And that's a pride thing. So it's rooted in pride. See, worship isn't an activity. It's an identity. And out of our identity, we worship. Out of Judas's identity, he betrayed God for some bling. Out of Mary's identity, she gave everything up for Jesus. In Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said this, for where your treasure is, talking about money, which ties directly into our text because that's what Judas is talking about here, money, Where your treasure is, Jesus said, there your heart will be also. See, the treasure of Mary's heart was Jesus. Because Mary treasured Jesus, her heart was inclined and positioned towards him. And because Judas treasured money, his heart would be inclined towards that very thing. Because Judas's heart is deceitfully wicked. Mary's heart, though wicked at times, is being regenerated, and she, uh, his, his heart is being, her heart is being melted by grace. Because worship is knowing that Christ is our only hope. Godly-centered worship. Guys, this, this, this is so simple, but this is so profound, and it doesn't escape even the most mature Christian. Worshiping, true worship, is believing that Christ is our only hope. 
that no sexual encounter, that no fantasy, that no extra zeros on the bank account, that no pleasure, that no power, that no fame could ever be and satisfy the hope that we ultimately need. That is only found in Jesus Christ. Worshiping Jesus is our only hope. And I want you guys to see this because oftentimes what I do is when I sin and when I screw up, I'm like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to worship Jesus. I, I have to stop worshiping you right now. I can't worship you because I'm a sinner. I got my problems, right? Don't we do that? But see this, you guys. Jesus receives the worship of dirty people, not good people. Judas thought he was good. Mary knew she wasn't good. And so Jesus receives the praise and the worship of Mary. And he says, Judas, leave her alone. Because you think you're good, because you think you are healthy, you don't need the physician. I didn't come for the, those who are healthy. I came for the sick, Jesus says. What, Mary, what made this worship of Mary so sweet and heartfelt was she came laying everything down at the feet of Jesus. That's what made this worship so sweet. It's interesting to know about this flask. Um, a flask isn't like this water bottle. I can just take this water bottle, open it up, and control how much I pour out, right? Um, this, the thing about this flask was this. Check this out about this flask. This flask uh, was glass, like a jar almost. And the only way you could get the perfume out was by shattering it. So Mary had a choice. This flask that I have, am I going to break it and let it all out or am I just going to keep it? Because she's... so they're all into worshiping Jesus or not in at all. There's no like, nah, nah. you know, if it was me, honestly, if it was me, I would have been like, all right, here we go. Flask, Jesus, you get one drop. Did you like that, Jesus? Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Think about this. Mary ha- would, had no idea what Jesus could have said. I mean, Mary could have taken that thing and be like, bump, bump, bump. And Jesus was like, what are you doing? She's like, um, dang it. Right? There goes everything. Didn't, didn't happen, did it? See, if you guys, if we think we need to sober up and clean ourselves up to worship Jesus, Jesus doesn't want that. He doesn't want that. Jesus wants to come, you to come to him and worship of him with everything. Everything, really? Travis, everything. Yes. Come to Jesus Approach his throne in worship with all your sin. He knows it anyways. And if we try to hide it, we think we can kind of block it. And like, all right, well, he knows it. It's okay. It's the beauty of grace. This is the good news of the gospel. That we don't have to come before God in the pretense of, well, I have to clean myself up and then I can worship God. God's like, no. In fact, if you clean yourself up on your own terms, you are coming to me in self-righteous worship and I want none of that. That's what Judas's worship was. Self-righteous worship. But worship is trusting that we can run to Jesus with all of our sin, believing that he still loves us no matter what. That's what worship is. No matter what. And let the Spirit of God drive you to approach God's throne with all of your baggage. You guys have some baggage. I have some baggage. We got problems on our problems. And let the Spirit of God do a work in your heart that drives you to approach Him with all. And notice we're not saying stop looking at porn. Stop worshiping money. Stop doing this. Stop doing this. Because what we are saying ultimately is worship Jesus. Worship Him. Worship Him. And you will see those fruits go away because your soul is being, it's like Psalm 1, right? You are like that tree that has been planted by the streams of living water that is tall, that's leaves do not wither in even the worst of storms. Let the Spirit of God drive you to approach God's throne with all of your baggage and he will let you wash his feet and he will accept 
all of you. He will do that. I pray that we as a church would see the value of who Jesus is above anything else because if we are a church that sees Jesus and values Jesus, the rest is history. If we treasure him, if we make him our treasure, if we make him preeminent, that's a beautiful thing. And see this, Mary, guys, Mary would have knelt down at Jesus' not his head, not his arms. Mary would have knelt down at Jesus' feet. How humbling is that? So she's at Jesus' feet. She takes this flask. She's all into Jesus Christ. She can care less. She's like, I'm breaking this thing. No holding back. You can have, Jesus, you can have all of me and everything and all part of me and breaks that at his feet. And every ounce of that $25,000 dripped onto his feet, his dirty feet, because they were slippers just like we do, except they walked on dirt roads. So Jesus had some pretty dirty feet, you can imagine. And every ounce of that $25,000 carried the dirt with it and the perfume and dripped on the floor. Never to be worth $25,000 again. And Mary, seeing the, the, the mud now on Jesus' feet, from this pound, these 16 ounces of perfume, took her hair, the only thing that was clean on her, and took her hair and turned it into a sponge and a rag to soak up the dirtiness of Jesus' feet. This is worship. This is deep, transforming worship because Mary understood that even the cleanest she could be was dirty compared to the purity of Jesus there is no comparison. And that is what makes this worship so beautiful. She worshiped Jesus to make much of him. And just so you guys know, God deserves to be worshiped. And we are unworthy, but he still deserves to be worshiped. With part of us, with all of us. And let me ask you, the flask that you have, are you doing this thing, right? Like, here we go, God. Here we go, here we go. I'm going to church on Sunday. I won't dump the whole bottle out because that'll be a problem, right? Or we just like, here you go, Jesus. Have the bottle. Take it all. I, I, want, I, I want none of me held back. I want you to take all of me. Let the Spirit of God drive you to break the, the, to break the flask of all that you have so that you can give all of yourself to him. And you know what's beautiful? Is, what is it? Verse 3. Check this out. Look at verse 3. Mary therefore took the pound of the ointment which is expensive, and made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Check this out. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. See, when Mary loved and worshiped Jesus, everyone could tell. There was a fragrance about her that was taking place. And don't let the Judases in life tell you to stop loving Jesus. Jesus would tell you. So keep worshiping me. It doesn't matter. For Mary, this was for Jesus' burial. So we must get back to a healthy, accurate, accurate view of worshiping Jesus. Because here is the point, guys. If you haven't heard me say anything at all, hear this. The more we treasure Jesus the more we want all of us to revolve around all of him. The more we treasure Jesus, the more we want all of us to revolve around all of who he is in his glory. And that will change your life forever. You will never recover from that. You will never recover from that. And the problems, the fruit that you see, man, I know I sin. I know I That's not the issue anymore. Jesus is the issue. Let us be awed by Jesus, church. And just so you know, guys, as a pastor, I am, I'm not in awe of Jesus enough. I'm aware of that. I knew I would be, just, I mean, I know what I'm preaching uh, generally a month out. So I'm praying through the text, and, and I knew all week what I would be sharing and preaching. And even as I was preaching on this, 
I do not have the awe that I have for God as I should. And I look at it and I'm like, but Jesus, no, I want to give you a drop, but I can't let you have all of me and I'm too afraid. I don't treasure him enough. And honestly, I look at Mary, I'm like, Mary, I, I could not do that, I don't think. I do not think I could just say, all right, God, here you go. Take it all, take all of me. In fact, I've never met a Christian ever who've said, you know, I, I, I treasure, I value Jesus enough. It's gonna take all eternity to value Jesus enough and treasure him enough. And even all eternity will not consume all of the treasuring that we can have of his glory. I pray that we be people who treasure Jesus. Let's look at verse nine here in closing. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, um, they came not only on the account of him, all right, it's not looking good, but to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. These guys are like, we got to see this for ourselves. He's alive? Are you kidding me? So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. That's a good idea. Just put the guy, I mean, what are you going to kill him three times and Jesus is going to raise him from the dead? Listen, it's a bad plan if you're trying to kill a guy who's already been raised from the dead. And to kill the guy who raised someone else from the dead, right? Stupid plan. Oh my gosh. So the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well because on the account of many of the Jews were going away believing in him. The result of a soul that sees and smells the fragrance of Christ-centered worship leads to deeper, further, more understanding of believing in Jesus. That's it. That's the beginning. That's the end. That's everything. Because Jesus will die in six days, but in nine days he will raise from the dead. And Jesus is preparing them for his resurrection. He is preparing preparing you for his resurrection because one day all who are in Christ will be resurrected in our bodies and meet him and join him in the clouds. It's ironic because just, it's not ironic, it's sovereignty that leads us to, we'll unpack more of the resurrection in just a couple weeks on Easter Sunday. I'd be praying that God is doing a resurrection of worship in your heart, of believing in him, believing in him, trusting and worshiping that Jesus Christ is our only hope. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you don't give us the three steps to becoming more perfect like you. You don't give us A plus B equals C. I thank you that this life doesn't depend on what I have to do to clean myself out, but it has to do with me approaching you and knowing that we are all wicked, perverted sinners and that, God, you are perfect and you are holy. And even the cleanest part of our lives much like Mary's hair, which was the cleanest part of her body, she dirtied because you are beautiful, clean perfection. So God, I pray that we would treasure you above anything else and that we would value you above anything and above anyone else. And so as we move into this time of worship through song, I pray that we would be a church that realizes that everything we do is worship and our identity is worship. And God, for this moment, I just feel, Holy Spirit, that you want us, that you want me to say this to some of the people that are in this room. Christian, for the Christian that has placed their identity in something other than Jesus, like the church in Galatia or like the church in Ephesus, repent. If you do not know Jesus, have this moment with God and let the Holy Spirit do a work on your life and repent. Turn from that sin. Turn from that idol you've been worshiping, whether it be a pet or a person or a paycheck and 
look to Jesus and place your identity in Jesus and let the Holy Spirit do that work in your life. For the Christian who has been walking with Jesus longer than I've been alive, Spirit of God, would you return them to the place when they first believed? God, have your way with us. You deserve all the honor, all the worship, and all the praise. Jesus, we do this all for your honor. We hope that Jesus is doing a work in your life from the message that you just heard. We would love to hear how you were impacted and what was impressed on your heart. Share your story by emailing connect at shorebreakchurch.com. And if you don't know Jesus as God, Lord and Savior, or you have more questions, send us an email to info at shorebreakchurch.com so we can get you dialed in with a free Bible and resources for your new relationship with Jesus.